This morning, the lectionary text comes from the parable of the Good Samaritan. It is a story told by Jesus as he's encountered with a question that a teacher of the law on what he must do to enter eternal life. I don't think I could replay it as well as the kids did for us this morning. Hampton, you make a really great um, man on the side of the road there. Um, But Jesus, when he's asked that question, Jesus turns the question right back on the teacher, right back on the expert, the one who should know the scriptures. And he simply asks the teacher, How do you read it? What does it say? Each week, these children gather in this place to learn what the Word of God says. From the time they are infants, week after week, teachers pour their spiritual lives into these children, teaching them about what the Word of God says. They learn about creation. They learn about the story of Adam and Eve and Noah and Moses. They learn about Daniel, Samson, and David. They learn the stories of the Bible in a simply and profound truth that God loves them. It's the starting point of their faith, and it was the starting point of our faith. It is our prayer from that moment that they were rocked in the nursery, that they can sense the love and the presence of God in their lives. As they grow, many teachers and many parents pour their lives into these children so that they will know what the Bible says. One of the foundational scriptures in the Bible that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 reads this way. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be pressed upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk around the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and your gates. In this scripture, God lets us know that he wants our whole lives, not just part of us. God's claim on us reaches to every area of our experience, to our inmost being, which is our hearts. He wants our lives, what gives us our identity, which is our souls. He wants our energy, our strength, and our resources, which is our might. And he desires our understanding and our intellectual capacities, which is our mind. No part of ourselves is to be withheld from God or from one another. The teacher that day, the expert in the law, knew this scripture as it was ingrained in him from the moment he was born. He knew 
what the scripture said. He had read it, but for clarification's sake, or for just justification, as the scripture tells us, he wanted to know what it meant. What does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love your neighbor? At some point, our children will begin searching for understanding when reading the scriptures. What does this mean for my life? And some already have. At least, that is our prayer. Today, we got to baptize a young child. She knows that Jesus loves her. And she knows that she loves Jesus. She knows that she needs a Savior and has accepted the grace that we find through our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. She knows that she wants to be a disciple, that she wants to be a follower. Although this moment is a moment that her dad and I prayed for since the moment we first snuggled her in our arms in that hospital room, my prayer does not stop for her today. Today is not the end of her moment. I am so thankful that Carolyn has accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior. And I rejoice with each of you as we have rejoiced together as a family of faith over many children who have come to know Jesus. But I pray that this is only the beginning of Carolyn's spiritual journey. My prayer is that she will continue to search for God, to know him more deeply, more intimately, and to search for understanding. Her story and the life with Jesus is just beginning. Not only do I want her to know the story of Adam and Eve, but I want her to know how sin can cripple somebody's life. Not only do I want her and the other children to know the story of Noah, but I want them to understand what obedience looks like. Not only do I want them to hear the stories of Moses, just as you parents and as a church family, we want them to know Moses, but we want them to know that they can lead in powerful ways. I want her to know that she can be strong and courageous, just like Joshua and can be a woman or men after God's own heart, just like David. I want her and the other children to know that any giant can be faced through the power of God on their side. My prayer for her and for all of our children is that they will not just stay in knowing the scriptures, but they will seek to understand them. We can read the scriptures, we can know what they say, but understanding the scriptures helps us to do what is most important, and that is to live them. Know the scriptures, understand the scriptures, live the scriptures. Jesus could have told the teacher of law, the expert of the law, the story of the Good Samaritan, and simply said, great job. You got it. You picked number three. 
but he didn't. You see, because knowing and understanding do not make any sense unless you choose to follow, to live in what the scripture says of go and do likewise. Jesus reminds the teacher of the law in that moment that it's not important who your neighbor is. What is important is that you are the neighbor. Rather than worrying about whether someone else is a neighbor, Jesus calls us to be neighbors to those who have need. By reversing the purpose, Jesus changes both the question and the answer. It's not our job to assess or to judge, but rather a calling to be a neighbor to everyone we encounter in the name of Jesus. Children, I pray that you will know the scriptures. You will also gain understanding of the scriptures. And I hope and pray that you will not just stop there. That you will choose throughout your lifetime to live the scriptures by loving God and by loving others. This is our prayer for you that you will grow in Christ, recognizing your need to know, and understanding and living as disciples of Jesus. This past week, I was talking to a friend, a fellow sister of mine, to gain more understanding of this passage of Scripture. This sister called me after she had some more time to think through the Scripture, and she let me know that for the first time, she had noticed something different about the passage of the Good Samaritan. She said that she believes that this probably is the most widely known story that Jesus ever told throughout the scriptures, both by Christians and non-Christians, as most people understand the story or know or have heard of the Good Samaritan. I would have to agree with her on that. that, that that is also a scripture that many people know and recognize, Christian or non-Christian. But she went on to say something that really stuck with me that day. She said, have you ever noticed that the Samaritan's name was never mentioned? We don't know if his name is Bob, Tom, or Fred. There was not a name attached to the person, but all we know is that he was a Samaritan. So my question is today, why did Jesus choose not to tell us the name of the priest who knew the scriptures but did not help the man that day? Why did Jesus choose to not tell us the name of the Levite who understood the scripture but did not help him? And why did Jesus choose not to tell us the name of the man, the Samaritan, who had mercy on him? Perhaps it was because Jesus was trying to teach us another lesson. 
Tony Campolo and Mary Albert Darling wrote a book titled The God of Intimacy and the God of Action. In this book, these words were written. There is a spirituality through which the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is mystically alive in us, empowering us to do the work of God. It is this kind of intimacy that Jesus hoped we might have with him and with one another. When he prayed this prayer, that we all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus desired that we all might have the kind of turning to him or conversion that leads us to a mystical journey of intimacy, united with God and with one another. The Samaritan may have never been named because Jesus' prayer was the name in which he carried was the name of God. The image he displayed was the image of Jesus, and the power in which he served was the empowerment through the Holy Spirit. When we learn and understand and live the scripture, it is through the grace of God that we find through Jesus Christ and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. As believers, we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. This blood unites us as believers and reminds us of the grace that is extended to us through Jesus. It calls us to live in love with one another, not questioning who our neighbor is, but choosing to be a neighbor. It's through Jesus we find unity. Jesus is always love. We are called to go and do likewise. Through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us by the saving grace of Jesus. Let us pray together. Precious Father, words cannot express the gratitude we feel that you chose to send your son Jesus. Through his life, death, and resurrection, we approach you this morning as sinners covered by the love and grace we find through Jesus. In this moment, hear our prayer as we confess our sin to you. Father, we pray that you will create in us a clean heart, a heart covered by your sacrifice, so that we may rise up in unity. This week, we have been reminded through so many stories that too much divide us. This morning, as we share in the bread and cup, remind us that through your love, we are united. Remind us that through your spirit, that we can love our neighbor and love the way that you love. We pray, Lord, that just as you and the Son are one, that we may also be one with you. In Jesus' name, amen.